Want more people to check out your podcast but have no idea how to make that happen? Struggling to convert social media followers into podcast listeners? Want to know how to turn any single episode of your podcast into your most popular episode ever? Well, you're about to find out. Welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. My guest today is Lauren Passell, and she is the perfect person to help me answer those questions. Lauren's the founder of Tink Media, a podcast growth company. She's also the editor of Podcast the Newsletter and Podcast Marketing Magic, is a co-host of Feed the Queue, and writes about podcasts for Lifehacker and Descript. She has spoken about podcast marketing for Radio Bootcamp, South by Southwest, Podcast Movement, PodFest, London Podcast Festival, and more. She's even a judge for the Signal Awards and the Webbies. I told you she's the perfect person to talk about this with. Hello, Lauren. Welcome to the show. Hi, Josh. Thank you for having me. I was saying just before we hit record, I am so excited to have Lauren here. I heard her on another podcast called Grow the Show or Grow Your Show. I should know it. I always get it confused. A fantastic podcast all about podcast growth. And I think it happened to be just the first episode of that show that I randomly checked out and Lauren was the guest and she shared so many smart tips, but also things that I had not heard a million other people say before, which was so refreshing. So when I heard that, I reached out and I was like, Lauren, I need to have you on and I've got to ask you questions. So thank you for being here. Let's jump right into it. So the first thing I want to know is, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because not only are you a podcast growth expert, but like I said before, you suggest a bunch of tactics that are different than the obvious ones. So let's start there. What do you think are the three most common and biggest missed marketing opportunities for podcasters who want to grow their show? Love it. Okay. Well, I have three tips, but before I get to that tip, the first one, you mentioned that I think differently than most people. And I, I want to say I think... I think I do. So thank you. I'm going to take that compliment. Hard to do, but it is because I love podcasts. So maybe that is kind of a tip. Like I got started as a fan writing about podcasts in my newsletter, a podcast newsletter, which I still have. I had a podcast called Podcast Podcast. So because I listen to everything, that trains your brain to think in really creative ways. I try, I listen to so many, I listen to hour, five hours a day at least. So I, and I, I meet a lot of people that don't actually love podcasts. And at Tink, I hire people who love podcasts. I can teach the marketing and PR. But if you love podcasts and you're constantly thinking like, what are other people doing? What are really creative ways? So that's why I think I think differently because I, I'm a fan. I'm a listener. I, I am, I'm listening. I'm listening for fun. So anyway, that's not a tip, but just, I think that's why. And that is a tip, I guess. Yeah. And you, and you also, I would point out, cause I've heard you talk about it. You listen to all sorts of different genres as well, right? Within those five hours, which I imagine is also really helpful because I'm guessing lots of people sort of stick to whatever genre they're into. And I'm going to guess just because I know this from sort of other marketing that a lot of times the most innovative and creative ideas you get are coming from things that are seemingly a totally different field. So I, I would imagine also broadening sort of what you're listening to is helpful as well. Am I right in that assumption? What can we learn from audio fiction if we don't have an audio fiction mm. show? You know, I listen to my favorite kind of podcast is something that makes me say, I didn't know that could be a podcast. But, you know, what I listen to the promo swaps, I listen to the ads, you know, like I listen to that end part where they do their credits. How are people doing credits differently? How are people asking for people to write in? You know, like it's all learning mm. and also very enjoyable. 
But, but we'll get to my real tip. So I think the thing that people don't think about enough is the audience. The audience is the most important part. People should really spend a lot of time in research mode figuring out who the audience is. Because once you find that audience, then you can think of creative ways to work with them. And finding the right audience is, you know, there's a lot of ways to do that. There is one of my favorite websites is rephonic.com slash graph. I should get it tattooed on my arm because I talk about it so much. But it's a way you can type in your show and find a galaxy or neighborhood of your shows. You see what your listeners are listening to. And once you can start determining where your potential listeners are, then then you can really get into the nitty gritty of really creative ways to work together. But you have to know where those audiences are. And you can't just assume that if you are a business podcast that there are other business shows. You know, we contain multitudes. So that's why I like the Raphonic graph so much because you can mm -hmm. see, oh, my listeners like listen to food podcasts or, you know, this is when a survey comes in mind. I, I think once a year, at least podcasters should run a survey asking, you know, how did you find this? What, what else do you listen to? And what newsletters do you read? Because finding that perfect audience is so key in getting really, really creative. I would also say, though, I don't think people spend enough time in their promo copy and this is kind of me included. And this is so when you're, you know, when you set up a promo swap and or any sort of partnership, even the copy for your description or anything, think about how much time people spend on their podcasts. For people that don't know, when you're talking about promo copy, when you're talking yeah. about promo swaps, talk a little bit about what specifically that is. And besides spending more time on it, what should they be doing with that time, right? How do you write really good promo copy and, and do, you know, just drill into some details there? Yeah. I mean, so when I'm talking about promo swaps, you know, I'm finding, talking about finding these perfect audiences. And one of the ways mm -hmm. to work with the audiences once you find them is a promo swap, which just means, you know, you're reading a 30 second ad basically for another show and they're doing the same for you in return. That's kind of what makes it not an advertisement because mm -hmm. they didn't pay you. You know, you're just doing it or you can swap an entire episode, like a, an entire file and put them on each other's feeds. I could talk about the different ways to part partner with people forever, but that's why finding the correct audience is perfect because then you know, is it better to do a promo swap? Should we do a guest swap? Should we appear on each other's podcast? Should we do a collaboration episode? But you need to find that in initial audience. So when you're writing these, you know, if you're setting up a promo swap, you have to send the other person copy for them to read about your show. But even writing copy for absolutely anything, I just know that podcasters spend so much time. And I think what ends up happening is they're audio people, they're making this podcast they spend so much time and then that's like exhausting. And they're like, I don't know, just put up this copy or whatever. Or they pull something right. that they've written or I get it. But it's like that that's the most maybe important thing you're going to write. That's everyone's going to see it. It's so, so, so important. I would ask people, how would you describe this show to a friend? I would also, and this is when it comes in handy that you're listening to a lot of other shows, make it sound different. If you're writing an advertisement for yourself or even description for in the description for your show, I'm a podcast consumer. I hear 100 advertisements for podcasts a day. I read tons and tons of descriptions. If it looks like everything else, it's just going to go in one ear and out the other. Really think about what makes it stand out. Really, like maybe you need to separate yourself from it a little bit and really think about why you made it. You know, you don't have to follow a template. There is no template. So that should be freeing. It doesn't have to mm -hmm. look like boring ad copy. So I think I'm a little guilty of this too, where I'm like, they all sound like this. So I'll write it like this. It's mm -hmm. no, pretend like you're telling someone that you know about what you've made and why they would like it, you know? So when you're setting up these prom this promo copy, so 
I would be writing copy about my podcast, Feed the Q for you. It should be different for every partner I write it for because I should be talking to your audience. Maybe I should even recommend a special episode that they would like. You know, you can have a template of your, of your own creative copy, but make it personalized for every single one or you want to get the most out of it, you know, so really spend time on it. Is there an example off the top of your head of either promo copy that you've written for your show or that you've heard elsewhere that you were like, oh my God, that was a brilliant approach or that you've seen for a client? Is there anything you can think of that you're like, oh, that really jumped out at me. That was clever and different. I think it was, here's an example. I think it was Stradio Lab. Yes, it was a podcast I love called Stradio Lab. They were reading copy for another show. And they were kind of joking at the fact that they're sending people to another show. So that's kind of a funny joke that I'm sure that the other show didn't tell them to do that. But <clears> you could tell other people to do that. Make a joke of it. Like, why would you be sending someone to another show? It's conversational. That's not something that you would, that doesn't sound like a robot wrote that, you know, and that stuck <clears> out <throat> in my mind. That sounded like content, you know, it's coming from these creators that I really like. So you can kind of make fun of the content, be a little meta about the content, but that's just like one example. But I also really like it. I can't think of a specific example when there's a, an episode recommended to me as a listener of Stradio Lab, which episode should I go to? Where should I start? Right. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's really good advice. And it's, it's interesting because that aligns with one of the things that I talk about just in general with copy or any kind of marketing is like specificity is so powerful. And the more you sort of drill down and get more specific, like to your point, tell them a specific episode to, to listen to, as opposed to just, oh, go check out the podcast and good luck. Right. And I think understanding that you have the ability in your marketing and all sorts of things, you have the ability to guide them. And the fact of the matter is you might think every, everyone loves, you know, all my babies are equal, whatever, like every, you know, you think all your episodes are great, but the truth of the matter is, you know, that there's. If you had a choice, there are certain episodes that you would want certain people to listen to because those are the best or those are the most likely to resonate with them. And so take advantage of that opportunity whenever and wherever you're promoting it, right? Not just with the promo copy, but even on your website or on whatever, like drive people where you, where you want them to go. I wanted to jump back to what you were talking about initially in terms of identifying your audience and it really being a key sort of first step. So what advice would you have for someone who, I'm just going to make this up as a hypothetical. Let's say they have a kind of standard interview format show. Let's say their niche is social media marketing. And on the show, they have guests on who are experts in LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and whatever. And they interview them and that's kind of what the show is. So that show is not necessarily super unique. It's kind of common, typical. And I think there's a lot of people that do that. And then you also have sort of a broad niche. Social media marketing is kind of a broad niche. How do they go about thinking about who their audience is for the show more specifically to identify it? And then in the copy, like how would you, what's the first step for them to try to sort of think through that? To find, you know, other people and other groups of people, I think raphonic.com slash graph and surveys are great ways, but also just thinking really specifically about who these people are, you know, even make profiles for them, like who they could be. We actually had a client who her podcast was about marketing for small businesses, but by it's called off the grid. If you were getting off social media altogether, she's very anti-social media. And mm. it's kind of like, how can you grow a business if you're not on social media? Can you? Well, she is. So how? And so we actually marketed a lot of like 
self-care, you know, podcasts and, and, and how to, and tips and kind of like just parenting, you know, like we were like, who are these people that want to, are going to want to get off social media, you know? So maybe mm -hmm. just like really, I think it all comes down to thinking about the listeners and who they are really, really specifically and what other, what other things are there about them? Yeah, no, that that's great. That's great advice. And I think also it's like sort of put another way, it's, it's basically identifying an adjacent niche. And I think what's interesting about that, and, and I, I've talked to some people about this, not related to podcasts, but about other things and sort of ads in general. If, you know, let's say again, in our hypothetical example that you have a podcast about social media market, or I'll, I'll use your specific example. So the instinctive thing is, oh, I'm going to go advertise on business podcasts, right? My podcast about, you know, it's business. I'm going to go advertise on business podcasts. And you are going to be one of a million business podcasts that are doing cross promos and whatever. And to your point, super easy to get lost versus I'm going to go advertise on this minimalism podcast or this self-improvement podcast or, you know, that, that other space where you're going to be the only business related podcast on there. And so I think it's, it's finding those areas where it's relevant and there's enough of an audience overlap, but it's not a million other people that are doing the same thing as, as you, right? Yeah, especially if you're pitching yourself to be a guest on that show, because in our case, maybe they hadn't even thought of that as a topic. So we're kind of like helping them think of a topic that they might not have covered. And wow, we have the expert for you right here. Yeah. So I know we covered a couple. Are there any other common missed marketing opportunities that we didn't get to? Yeah. And these, this kind of goes hand in hand, but I talked about promo swaps and that's, you know, switch, swapping an ad for each other. And I think a lot of shows just do that. I have a promo swap database on my website where I know that people find partners and swap with each other. But I, I think that too many podcasters let it stop there. And it goes back to really thinking creatively. Like you have this audience. What can you do that other people aren't doing? And for example, I had a kids news podcast and we were working with a, an adult news podcast. We set it up so once a month at the end of the month, the last episode of the month, they would kind of do a correspondence thing on each other on in their shows where they would give each other audio. Hey, from my camp, this is what we're talking about this, this, or we had a journalist who her podcast was about interviewing people. And that's kind of a tough to, we wanted her to be interviewed on other shows, but it's, she's a journalist interviewing other people. So we went to podcasters who, and said who we had swapped with before and some new ones. And we said, can we pitch our client to be on your show? But she's going to interview you because this is what she's good at. Your listeners are used to hearing you mm -hmm. interview people. So this is a new way for you to see them. So what I'm saying is once you find this audience, which we had found, once you find that audience, we, okay, every time we get a client, we're like, who are their podcast friends? This is cheesy. And what is the play date we're going to put them on? And that means who's the partner and what is the partnership? We call them friends because we might be working with a client for two months, but this we call them friends. We have identified this audience for you. Go wild. Do more than one thing. Get on a call every couple of months. And I know that if you talk to these people who are in your genre and have the same audience, you're going to think of something that no one else has ever done. I love this. And I, let, let's drill into that uh, a little bit more. So when you're doing this, a couple of questions here. So one is sort of how many potential friends, partners do you identify as sort of a starting point? And then what is that initial out? Let's say you don't have any relationship with it. Let's say they're not hiring you to do it. They're doing it themselves, right? Are they looking to identify three shows, five shows, 20 shows? What are they looking for? Do the shows, the potential friends need to be people at a sort of similar level of theirs? 
Does that matter? Are they aiming bigger, smaller? Doesn't really matter. And then what does that initial outreach look like to those people? So many good questions. Okay. I always say when I'm consulting people, I'm like, I would love it if you could leave this call and go find three podcast friends. Three is a good place to start. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but that's manageable. When I am working on a campaign for someone, I do 10 at a time. I feel like that's a manageable number for that you're not overwhelmed. You can really dedicate time to each one, each because they're going to be very different partnership ideas. Hopefully, the, the more individualized, the better. I would say three to 10 when you're getting started. Three is a great place to start. And the size thing is a really good question because it's like, yeah, I, I think a lot of times people just go for shows that are similar to theirs, but I would make a mix because that's great. You can definitely do that. But all I would do a mix between your size and larger because it's like what I said and smaller. No, I'm going to say everything because what I said, finding mm -hmm. the right audience is key. So if you find the right audience, figure out a way to work together. And so if you're going after a larger show, you might just have to do more legwork. You might have to give them more things in return for one thing. That's fine. I was talking about these promo swaps. So that's the 30 second ad that you're doing. Usually shows swap when they're about the same size. That makes sense. It's an ad. But then another way to work with someone is to give them an entire file of an episode of your show and have them do the same in return. And I have found that people don't care if the number is the same because it's not an ad. It doesn't sound like an ad. It's really, really good content. You could go to someone much bigger than you and say, would you like to put an entire episode onto my feed in return for just an ad or something like that and prove to them that you have the perfect audience once you find that audience? I, I am very optimistic that even if they're bigger than you, you can find a way to work together. And then as far as reaching out, a shorter letter is better. I say when you're reaching out 100 to 300 words, you don't need to tell them your whole story. You don't need to tell them everything about your show. Please don't send a PDF or anything for them to download or listen to. You need to get the door open. You need to say, I did research. Our audience is similar. We could both grow together. Do you want to talk to me? You know, really all you need is a response. So when you're doing that outreach, you're not pitching a specific, let's do a promo swap. You're, you're sort of starting the conversation and say, hey, let's, there's, I think there's a way we could help each other. Do you want to hop on a call? Do you want to have a conversation about it? Whatever. And then in that conversation, I assume floating some ideas and are you open to this or that or whatever? Is that correct? Yes. Unless I know that they, I've swapped with them before or I know this person mm -hmm. or something. Because a lot of times also, if you haven't done this before and you get a long email about that, you might think it's spam. You might not be overwhelmed. Right. You might. So really just a really friendly note saying you want to be podcast friends or whatever word you want to use. It's less <laughs> cheesy than that. Right. And there's a million variables here, obviously, but I'm just curious because I know people probably, you know, let's say they do do this. They're going to wonder, is it working? Is it not working? Whatever. Let's say for every 10 people you reach out to, what would you say a typical sort of response rate or, or partnerships? You know, if someone, should someone expect to go, okay, I reached out to 10 people and two people agreed to do it. One person agreed to do it. Nobody agreed to do it. What could they expect? Like how open do people tend to be to this kind of stuff? I would say if I am sending out 10 emails, I probably will get seven or eight responses. Someone might say, I'm off season right now. You know, can we do this in the future? So yes, we'll come back in the future. You know, it, they, and maybe two or three, maybe two. I would say two out of 10 actually get solidified on an average, sometimes more. That's, I feel like a very, very reasonable, maybe even way too low number. But that's why it's good to have a mix of, of sizes. Cool. And then one last question about this before we move on to the next topic. When you do get a hit or someone says, okay, let's, let's do this. And let's say they do, you do a promo swap. 
I'm going to guess that you then try to build that into some sort of recurring, hey, let's do this on a recurring basis. How do you think about that and what what makes sense? Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you felt good about it, maybe next time you exchange files for an entire episode, maybe you have mm. each other on, you do a guest swap. Maybe if you really are jiving well together, you could have a joint episode where you're talking together and it goes on both feeds. You know, maybe you could do a social media swap. As I mentioned, I have a, a promo swap database where people find each other on my website. And I was at Podcast Movement and two people that met each other there in my database were like, oh my gosh, we met in your database and now we're friends. And I invited this other person on a panel with me. So there's all sorts of ways. Like really, I think the friendship will develop if you actually have a meaningful conversation. Yeah. Cool. Great. So let's, the next thing I wanted to ask you was one of the things I thought was really interesting when I've heard you interviewed before and have been reading your stuff is I've heard you talk a lot about how social media really isn't all that great in terms of driving podcast growth, despite the fact that like everybody's putting most of their effort into using social media to drive podcast growth. I have a few questions here. So one is I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about why you think that social media is not great for podcast growth. But then also, because I know that no matter what we say, everyone's still going to try to use social to grow their podcast. What advice you would have for people in terms of doing that? What platforms to use? What kind of stuff should they post? How would you approach using social in general? And then also as a part of this, at the end, we can get into a little bit about YouTube for people that put podcasts on YouTube versus audio and whatever. So let's start with sort of your, your general take on social media as a marketing tool for podcasts good, bad, and otherwise? Well, it is great. I think podcasters should be on social media. I think it's good for the community that you already have, that you're nurturing. It's good for people to be able to find you. I write about podcasts. I like to be able to tag them when I write about them so they can ask you questions. You can pull them. It's wonderful for them to connect with each other, but it isn't the best way to drive downloads in most cases. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. First of all, it's very hard to convert a non-listener into a listener. And you are hitting a lot of people that don't listen to podcasts. That's why mm -hmm. even getting featured in something like the New York Times probably won't drive as much people, as many people as you think. It's a lot of people that don't listen. It's I try all the time to convert non-listeners to listeners, and it's really hard if they don't have it in their daily routine or they don't, you know, some people don't know how to even listen. The other reason is people don't like to click off Twitter when they're on Twitter. They don't like to click and go listen to a podcast. They want to stay on the platform. So I think there's lower hanging fruit. And it's funny because every time I say this, I get a bunch of responses. Like someone will say, oh, thank gosh, I can't, thank mm. goodness I don't have to. And I'm like, oh, that person wants to make a good podcast. They're not into social, you know, they, they're, they're concerned and they're like, oh no, I have to be on social media. Good news is you don't. Response number two is that's not true. I get a lot of likes on my tweets or something like that. And it's congratulations. You have nice friends who are liking your tweets. That doesn't mean they listened. And you're not reaching new people. I like people's tweets all the time. You go, girl. That looks cool. I don't have time to listen right now, but I support you. Mm -hmm. The other thing I hear people say is, well, my, my TikTok went viral or something. That would prove to me that those people listen to your podcast because you can't. You know? And it, it, the mm -hmm. thing is, what, you're, what is your goal? Is your goal to have a big TikTok profile? Because if it is, then that's awesome. And that's a great goal to have. But that doesn't, isn't necessarily driving to download. So social media, if you want to build up your social media, that's great. I did say be on social media, 
but find out the platform that's right for you. If you feel like it's torturous, don't do it. If you're a business podcast, you should be on LinkedIn. I think there's podcasts that could be on Pinterest. You know, Pinterest is a huge search engine that uses SEO and is, you know, now has audio components. I feel like people really, unfortunately, what's happening on Twitter is bad and people are leaving Twitter. How can you convert all this to, to Instagram? So I think find the platform that feels good to you. I would maybe make profiles so that you can drive people to the other platforms, but find one. You can make updates, make some content that people can enjoy, even if they're not listening to your podcast. Ultimately, I'm always telling people, I wish I could pull some of the time away that they're spending on social media and push it towards pitching themselves to newsletters. I love newsletters to be guests on other shows or these friendships I'm talking about because social media doesn't work for growth. That's for the most part. Partnerships do work. I can say that. So mm -hmm. spend a little bit less time on social and a little bit more time doing partnership things. Two questions there that came up related to, to some of that. So one is, what do you think about personal social accounts versus show social accounts? Now, in some cases, it's obvious because they're very different things. But in a lot of cases, you know, like for my show, I don't have a show social account. I just use my personal social account. Do you have a general take uh, of how people should think about that? Yeah, I think the personal accounts often do way better because it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like a, it feels like a person. So I think a lot of times I get pitches, and this is, I think, relatable to social media from the actual journalist that made the podcast or the host and not a representative. And I always want to read those and respond to those. Those feel personal. And it's like the, the people <laughs> that are using their own personal tweets is, is great. I would still have a podcast account, but maybe... Maybe you are tweeting and they're retweeting you or you kind of mix and match or you're doing both. But I think those personal accounts actually can be better in some cases. And I'm completely biased because I think everyone on the planet should have a newsletter. But what about newsletters for podcasters? Oh, so important because you don't own your Apple Podcasts audience. They could unsubscribe and you have no idea that they were there. You'll never see them again. You own your newsletter audience. Plus, it is just great. You can, when I'm talking about these partnerships, you can add that in. You can say, I'm going to put you in my newsletter. You can get more back. And it's just a, a great way to connect, especially as Twitter's, you know, going away. Like I find more and more people really loving newsletters. I mean, I am obsessed. I have three. Like I'm, I mm. absolutely love newsletters. And I do find that people click on newsletter links when they don't click on social media links. And I find with yeah. my newsletter, even if they don't click, they probably have their phone in their hand and are reading and subscribing, even though they don't click. Yeah. I mean, my personally, my newsletter is the biggest driver of traffic to my podcast by far. Let's talk a little bit about social. What, what should people, what should they be, be posting? How should they be posting? They have a new, let's say they do a weekly episode of whatever the show is. Are there certain posts that you're like, you definitely want to do X, Y, and Z for each episode? Yeah. I mean, kind of like what I was saying with the, the copy, you know, spend a lot of time thinking about the copy. I think one thing that works on Twitter, and I refuse to call it anything other than Twitter. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I agree. Twitter, the website formerly known as X. I think threads are really great. And what I would do is do a really, really compelling first tweet and maybe tagging people and maybe have a few threads where there's like facts or, you know, you're kind of almost like mini covering the episode and really, really driving people in. Then that last tweet, that can be a link because I, so social algorithms also don't like you to drive people away. So if that's in mm -hmm. a later tweet, that's good or a later post. If the tweet 
or the link to another place is right up at the front. It seems really advertising. So I would really spend some time up front pulling people in, teaching them something, showing them something valuable, and then trying to get them to click later on. Are there any podcasters, either individual personal accounts or shows that you can think of that you're like, you know, they do a really good job on social as relates to their show. Anybody come to mind that like listeners and myself could go check out and be like, oh, look at what they're doing. Like they, they do some interesting stuff. Well, someone popped to mind that there's a podcast called Everyone's Talking Money by Shanna Game. And she does these things where she'll have videos after she puts a podcast episode out and they're not fancy videos. Like one was mm -hmm. her, one I remember specifically was her in the park and she just, it was like looking at her phone. She recorded on her phone, looking at her phone while she was taking a walk in the park. And she said, man, I just recorded this episode and I, I, I keep on thinking about it. And it was like so personal. It didn't feel like an ad at all. It felt like my friend called me on my phone and was telling me to listen to something. So I feel like that's a good example. I feel like The Alarmist is a podcast that does a good job asking for listeners to weigh in and suggest topics and that kind of stuff. Also, I feel like all the Max Fun shows do a really good job asking. And one thing that those, what I, everything that I just mentioned, asking for listener feedback, asking for maybe even input on an episode. So that's something <laughs> that I see good shows doing on social media. Speaking of that, this is a little off the topic, topic of social media, but speaking of asking listeners to do stuff, any quick tips about asking people to give you ratings, reviews, share the show, all that kind of stuff, anything that do's or don'ts when it comes to that? Yeah, it's funny because I think I hear all the time on podcasts, please leave us a rating or review. It helps us in the algorithm or something like that. And it does not help you in the algorithm to have a lot of ratings and reviews that is mentioned on Apple Podcasts web website, but it is good social proof. You know, it's like when you go to a, like a dive bar and someone was here, you know, you know, someone was there, there's writing on the wall that, you, that someone has been here or someone has listened to the show. So it's good to have them. One thing I always, right now, every single day for 2023, I'm leaving a rating review and tweeting a screenshot of it because I don't think people do that enough. They enjoy this content and they don't write ratings and reviews. One thing that's happening to me is sometimes I'm like, man, I love this show, but I want to do this really quick and I can't think of anything to say. Tell them what to say. Say, just leave me a rating or review. Tell me where you're listening from or ask me a question or ask them, ask them a prompt. Prompt them. Maybe the prompt could be different every single episode. If you help them a little bit I, and ask for their input yeah. or something, I think they're more likely to leave one. And also make that promo copy sound different. If I hear a hundred times a day, please leave us a rating or review. How can you make it different? Maybe you're reading some of the reviews on the show. And also put it at the beginning up front. I think a lot of people are tapped out at the end. Do you think to your point about it not really impacting, you know, that it's, it's, I mean, social proof is important and valuable, but that it's really just a social proof play. Do you think ratings and reviews are overrated? Because I feel like every podcaster seems to have this huge emphasis on, I got to get more ratings and reviews. And if I just get to some, there's some magic number that's going to whatever. Do you think that there's almost too much emphasis being put on them? I would say yes. I would say, I mean, the thing is, sometimes I go to shows and there's no, or one rating and review. And I'm like, did you not even ask your friends? So mm -hmm. it is very important that there are some, but once you get like a good, no one is reading all of them. And it doesn't help in the algorithm. So you'd, once you get like a hefty, you know, amount that was, wow, people are here. Right. I don't really think it matters that much. Yeah. So let's, let's shift to talking about YouTube for a second. So when I launched my podcast about a year and a half ago or whatever it was, it was my first podcast. I'd been guests on podcasts, but it was my first podcast of my own. 
I hadn't done any video before. I knew I was going to do video, but really just film and do highlights and full episodes on YouTube, whatever. And so I got up and running and then I started to literally, I think it was like the first time I was going to share like the first episode in my newsletter. And I was like, wait a minute, do I send them to YouTube? Do I send them to Spotify or Apple or a general audio download page with all the different stuff? Like, where do I, do I include all these different links and, and sort of what do I do? So how do you think about for people that are doing audio and video in particular YouTube, but how do you do that? What's the balance? Where do you drive people? What do I, and what I tried to do for myself was try to think through, I don't know what's more quote unquote valuable to me. Would I rather have more YouTube views than audio downloads? Does it matter? I don't, I don't know what, what's your take on all of that? Well, you're right. You have to think about your goals. Totally. Some people are actually becoming more interested in building up a big YouTube channel and but I always, I'm an audio person. I think everything should drive to the podcast first. That's just the way I think. That's what I would do if I were you, anyone listening. I think YouTube can be really useful and we don't really know. We're in the early stages of getting ready to have downloads counting on YouTube. So we're not there yet. So we don't know. But I think I'd like to send people to pod.link. If you go to pod.link, you can make a basically a page your show will be in there. You type your show into a search bar and your show will pop up and it'll, it, there's a page that has all of the listening apps buttons for all the listening apps. And I like this because if you send people a link to Apple podcasts and they don't have an iPhone, they're going to have a bad experience. And I like to listen on podcasts. I get annoyed when I get an Apple podcast link. So going to pod.link and sending that link for your show will make sure that there's a good user experience. That's what I recommend in social media and newsletters. Is your preference for audio, driving to audio over video, is that primarily just because your sort of personal preference is audio? Or do you feel that there's more value to an audio listener that, I mean, again, I know this gets into different people have different goals. And so it sort of depends. But in general, is there a reason for that beyond sort of personal preference? I mean, I think I'm just mostly working with podcasters who are trying to get advertising or growing their audience there. And right now, YouTube isn't most of their goals. But really, if you right. the download number means more to them, download number means more to them. Gotcha. OK. All right. So let's get to the last thing that I wanted to ask you since I've got you on the show. I'm going to take advantage of it and volunteer as a guinea pig. Here's what I want to say is give me three things I should do in the next month to grow this particular show. And then the follow-up question is, what should I do to make this episode that we're recording right now my most popular episode ever? So let's start with next month, I want to grow my podcast. Three things I can do to make that happen. Okay. I think you should find three podcast friends that are of different sizes and maybe some do a test with maybe a show that isn't exactly like yours, but maybe I'm going to sneak in, do a survey if you haven't done a survey recently. So mm -hmm. survey, learn a little bit about your audience and make three podcast friends based on that survey. Second, I would... Just real quick, in the survey, what should I ask? And I assume that, so for example, should I send the survey to my newsletter list or should it just be something that I plug in that I mention in the podcast? So I'm only getting people that are actually listening to the podcast. I would do your newsletter too. I would do both. And okay. I would offer the chance to win a, an Amazon gift card because unbelievable okay. what people will do for the chance to win a $25 right. Amazon right. gift card. I would ask what 
podcast do you listen to? How did you find this podcast? What newsletters do you read? Is my podcast too long or too short? Make them choose. And what would you miss about this podcast if it went away? And you can find specifically what they like the most about your show. Awesome. And a big part of what I'm trying to get out of that survey is it's it's meant to, in some ways, identify target potential podcast friends, right? That's what that's a lot of what that those questions seem to be about, right? Yeah. Okay. Great. So that, and then I would do I would pitch the show this month being featured on the apps. So there's Mm -hmm. forms. I don't know if you've ever filled them out to be featured on Apple Podcasts. I have. It's funny. I didn't know. I didn't know they existed until a couple months ago. Maybe even hearing you on on grow the show or whatever. I don't remember where I first heard it, but then I was like, oh wait, I can submit this up for people that are listening and don't know because I didn't know until a couple months ago. Tell people what you mean about how they can submit episodes to be featured. Right. So you know when you open up your Apple Podcast app or any listening app. There's shows that are featured in carousels, and ideally, you would like to be one of those shows. And this is perfect because what I was saying before, it's really hard to convert a non-listener. Well, when you hit those people, those are not only podcast listeners, but they are in listening mode. They have their headphones on. They're ready to try something new. So that's your ideal audience. And sometimes it can be hard to get featured in Apple Podcasts, but there's tons of other apps you can apply to. And basically, I'll use Apple Podcasts as an example. They have a link that anyone can fill out. I have to fill them out for my clients, too. And it really is just kind of like a pitch. And, you know, you make your pitch snappy. Just imagine the back end of an Airtable or a document. All of these answers are coming in. How do you make your text stand out in a sea of all of these answers? Two quick tips. They're going to ask for region. You know, when you're filling out the form, it's like, what region? And most people put U.S. if they're podcasting in the U.S. The U.S. is the most crowded territory. It has the most podcasts. It's the most difficult to get featured in the U.S. Put a different country. Maybe you know from your analytics that you have listeners in Australia put Australia, New Zealand, the UK. Also, one of the fields in Apple Podcasts is how are you going to market this show? Tell us about your marketing plan. They're not asking for your marketing plan of a show. They're asking, what they're basically saying is, we're Apple Podcasts. We're going to do you a favor by featuring you. What are you going to do for us? So that is, I'm going to tell my listeners to listen on Apple Podcasts. I'm going to put the Apple Podcast button on my page. What they want to know is, how are you going to work with us? Great. And then, and just so, just to be clear, so that is, you're submitting an individual episode, not the show as a whole or the show. Okay. And if you do an individual episode, does it have to be a new episode, a recent episode? Does it matter? An upcoming, like how does... It should be new. It should be a new episode. Yeah. But if you're just doing the show, you can do it at any time. But that's already out, right? So so new meaning it was published in the last week or two, day or... or... Yeah, a couple weeks, or you can even say something that's okay. upcoming. And when you do that, do they, if they're not going to feature you, do they send you some sort of rejection or we're not featuring you or it just never happens? Just do they never. do they send you a heads up if they do feature you or no, you just hopefully see a spike? It depends on where they're going to be featuring you because if they're featuring you at the very top, they request artwork. So that's okay. what we'll be asking for the artwork, but you don't have to worry about that. Yet. And then can you submit, how often can or should you submit episodes? I wouldn't do it every more than every three months. I think that's what they recommend. So does it should never be every episode. Make it special, make it count. Okay. And in terms of picking an episode to submit, I'll just take my podcast as an example, right? So if I'm like, okay, sometime in the next month or two, I have you know four or five different episodes coming out and I'm trying to figure out which one will give me the best chance or submit anything I should consider? Yeah. If you can, basically Apple Podcasts wants to look like a like a homepage of a new site. They want relevant things. So think why you, why now? 
And so if it, it if you can tie it to a current event or something that's happened in the news or a holiday, even if it's something like marketing horror stories for Halloween or something. This kind of goes to the third tip I was going to say for you to grow your show. Make a mini series. And that doesn't have to be <clears throat> super complicated. It doesn't have, you don't have to upend everything you have. Group three episodes together. Say this month we are taught all these episodes in January. All the episodes are going to have the theme of starting something new of a new start. In June, we're going to be talking to queer creators, you know, something like that. Once you have a mini series, I love a mini series. I love working with the mini series. You can pitch it so much more easily. It gets people very, very excited. And if you have an ongoing show, sometimes it's hard to get people excited because it's like, yeah, it's always there. Well, this is a reason to celebrate. It's, it's making up a reason to celebrate. Interesting. Yeah, no, and it's funny. That's right in line with one of the things I talk about in, in sort of concept promotion all the time is the, is the packaging of it. And that, and that how important just that sort of wrapper is, right? Which is, is exactly what you're talking about. It can, without it being much different work, it just can make it seem much bigger than it is totally. and sort of give you a story and narrative around it. One other question on the, on the submission. So you said you can submit an episode to be featured or your show to be featured. How should you think about submitting your show in terms of like, when should you submit your show? How often can you submit your show? Anything about that part? Yeah, I mean, you can submit every couple of months. For This is actually where I recommend that people take breaks because it really helps if you can say, we're coming back for a new season this date. Even once again, it's about packaging, right? Going in seasons kind of helps, even if you're just not really taking- it Gives you a news hook, yeah, sort of. Absolutely. But I would say if anybody, just a, a favorite episode of yours, if something really stuck out, if somebody talks about something- relevant. I think just anything that stands out to you, anything that you really think is maybe the best example of your work, anything like that. You could say, I've been doing this for a year, but this episode was really, really where we, we hit the mm -hmm. ground running. This was an episode where this moment made me really think and change every, whatever. Once again, it's about packaging. You can make that up. Cool. Does the amount of downloads you're currently getting or have on your show or episode impact your ability to get featured or not really? Do you think they take that into account? They ask, and I don't know exactly how they think, but I've seen them. There's shows that they feature that aren't enormous for sure. So I don't think <laughs> so. I, I think it's more important that you have a really good pitch and that your cover art looks good. You know, like that's an actually <laughs> really important and that there's that you have convinced them why you why now and when you get featured how long does that typically last it depends you might get bumped down i think maybe like a, a week i think maybe the, at the would be like the least amount of time that it's up there <laughs> but if, if you're featured at the top they might bump you to a lower carousel in a week and then maybe bump you further down but i would say at least a week okay awesome and then my last question for you so you and I both have a vested interest. Our interests are aligned. We both have an interest in making this the most downloaded, most popular episode of my show ever. So how do we make that happen? Right. What, what, do we, what, should I, what should I do if my goal was to make this the most popular episode ever? Okay, well, make me look good. Edit it so I sound absolutely perfect and amazing. Mm -hmm. And I say all these amazing things. If you're putting on social media, make sure you don't put a picture that you found on my Facebook profile from 2002 and that it, I don't look terrible. And I always think if you're promoting on social, once again, it's not going to drive tons for most cases, but it does help. Mm -hmm. And I think there's kind of two kinds of social posts. There's one that you're going to post for your audience, which is, hey, this is here. This is so good. Oh my God, I love it. Like Shauna's example, like this, this moved me, whatever. 
But then there's the post that you make for basically just me, where it's like, what is Lauren going to want to share? Where, what did she say that she was like so freaking excited about that she's going to want to tell her listeners? So think about what got me the most excited, quote me, figure out what will make me want to share with my fans. Cool. And what about from a marketing perspective, how do you think about titling, right? So this episode, which we're about to wrap up, do you have any thoughts on how this episode should be titled? I'm going to have to think about that. I think the title for Grow the Show was like how Lauren made 10 times as many. Yeah, it was. It's funny. Now that you mention it, it's so funny that you mention it. It was because it was something. It was a really good title and it was something about, didn't you like 10X some shows, downloads or something in a month or two or whatever it was. And then the show was very, we'll include a link in the show notes, by the way, it's great. But you sort of go through exactly what you did for the client to help them grow that show, right? If there's something you think it seems like people are not going to like what I said about social media, maybe that either gets somebody to click or not want to click. I don't know. Or maybe how there's some this meta-ness about how I'm helping you, trying to help you grow your show. (laughs) So maybe it's something about getting people to download it so that we get there. It's always good to ask your listeners for help. Right. Will will this be the most popular episode of my show ever? Let's see some, you know, or a podcast growth expert tells me how to make this the most popular episode of my show. A little long, but that's the general idea. And that's also pitchable, I think, to the the apps. So yeah, Um, Uh, that's a good, that's a good point. And yeah, and broadly interesting. Awesome. So anything else that you're like, in your mind, you're like, oh, I have this amazing tip that no one ever asks about that just, And there doesn't have to be, but anything else that you're like, oh, I love telling people to do this because they never think about it. Well, I have two more ideas for you. So I have a podcast. You should ask Mm -hmm. me. Okay. So two weeks after it's out, you should email me and be like, oh my God, Lauren, your episode was like so good and everyone loved it. I'm getting so many comments about how it's everyone's favorite episode ever. Will you put it on your feed of your podcasts? And I'll probably say yes. So I would go through your back catalog. So this is for everyone. If you interviewed someone with a podcast, ask them to put it on their feed, especially it's the holidays right now. People are going to be taking time at the end of December. You ever notice it's like rerun, rerun, rerun. How about they put in that episode instead of a rerun episode? Because once, like I said, if you interviewed someone, they're going to, you know, their listeners can hear them in a new light. So ask me to do that is brilliant. And so it's my favorite kind of idea because it's so obvious once you say it. But I never thought about it. Right. Like I have guests all the time who have shows and it's like, why not? Really, really smart. And even think I always tell people, think about interviewing podcasters. They're going to have the mic set up. They're going to understand. They're going to have a place to put the show. And then finally, I would pitch this episode to podcast newsletters like Pod News and Inside Podcasting. I feel like people don't value the podcast newsletters enough. They're my favorites. These are the newsletters about podcasts because, listen, those nerds, and I can say this because I'm one of them. They are so into podcasts. They're looking for new things to listen to. And if you pitch, you can even say that Lauren told me to do this on the episode. Right. Perfect. Lauren, thank you so much. This was awesome. I found it super helpful, which means I know a lot of my audience is going to find it super helpful. Tell people where they can find you, connect with you, get more of your stuff. Great. Thank you for having me. This was really fun. You energize me. So I guess, I mean, my favorite thing that I do is actually podcast the newsletter, my Substack, which is podcast recommendations. And I'm always taking pitches so people can pitch me their shows. But everything is at tinkmedia.co. That's how you can find everything I do. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Lauren Passell. Awesome. And my stuff, my newsletter for theinterested.com slash subscribe, skill sessions, joshspector.com slash sessions. I'm on Twitter, refusing to call it X all the time at Jay Spector. 
If you'd like to be a guest on this show, you can go to joshspector.com slash questions and submit the three questions you would like to ask me. Basically, if you're paying attention, it's a way to get free, free consulting and exposure to my audience. So win, win, win. And that's about it. Lauren, thank you again. I will see everybody or be in your earbuds next week. <laughs>